0: Welcome back to Raisin Brand. Last time we did this with you, it was not Raisin Brand; it was Pixelcast, wasn't it? Yep, it so was. It was a little bit different. But yeah, welcome back to Raisin Brand, where we talk about business, uh, creativity, and how we bring both of those elements together to create brands and build brands. Today, uh, I get the opportunity to talk with Josh Berendis. Um, I'm really excited for this. Last time, uh, Tristan had the chance to talk with him, and it was all about yep. creative. Today I get to talk to him about the business side of what he does and kind of what inspired him to start his own freelance production company. So, uh, Josh, you want to give a quick intro to you?
1: Yeah, so I actually started at Picture Labs. I was like, what, the second intern you ever had? I think so. Yeah, because Taylor was first. Um, and funny note is the first day I got my camera is the first day I met Zach.
0: It, it was. Um, uh, I
1: remember that date exactly because... Uh, i was had a little t5i and i had the i was literally using the manual book okay shutter speed aperture iso like we're shooting the concert and i see zach walking around with his black magic cinema camera with like the wooden handles and i was just like what the heck is that thing and i was like so intimidated and then i remember going up to him i was like hey if i'm ever like in your way just so you know let me know. And he just kind of laughed. Was,
0: and, was Ben Haggerty the one that told you to talk to? So him? I was
1: filming. For, no, I was just filming for Pay, who's opening for Ben.
0: That's right. I remember that.
1: Yeah, and then <clears throat> Tim Dodd was also there, and I was yep. just talking to him about joining his photography class. So it, <laughs> I'm like surrounded by Tim Dodd, who like I knew. And then right. like, this other guy, is walking around with this crazy camera. And I was just like super intimidated.
0: <laughs> <laughs> You're here your first day, first camera, not even sure what ISO does,
1: right? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. Literally unboxed it that day. But, um, so yeah, interned with Zach. Um, That would have been about 2014 or 2015. Yeah, it would have been 14, 15.
0: Yep. Because I think it was
1: that. It was in the fall when f- the we fall met. The fall was when we met. I think you did a spring in, internship. The spring internship. So in 2015. Um, they graduated from UNI in 2016, and pretty much ever since then, I've been freelancing. Um, actually, a little bit before I left college, I kind of quit Pixel Labs to kind of like try and do my own thing, but wasn't really doing much because I was still balancing like the the party, college life, and <laughs> school life. But um, moved out to Denver, where I've been for the last two years, uh, freelancing. A lot of my work revolves around. I do anything from like short films, documentaries, to like shooting concerts, Red Rocks, events, uh, branding videos. I do a lot of like bite-sized content, with like GIFs and hyperlapses and stuff like that. Um, so my work's like really diverse. It's kind of tough to explain what I do to some people. And kind of depending on how I feel how that person is, I'll kind of like change my pitch to them. Right. Um, but yeah, I've been working on Denver for the last two years. I have a co-working space full of like, other um, startups and small companies. And then kind of when the pandemic hit, um, kind of forced me to move to Florida uh, temporarily.
0: Cool. I want to back up a little bit because I remember a story from one of the earlier times of, of spending time with you. You didn't go to school originally for creative stuff.
1: My first major was Parks and Recreation. I was going to be like a forest ranger.
0: <laughs> so how did you go from that to to picking up a camera?
1: Um, well, I just grew up, and like in the country, um, in Northwest Iowa. So I guess like conservation was always kind of like a thing I was surrounded by. So I was kind of oh, like, I really like the outdoors and like, you know, I don't mind manual labor. So kind of just like fell into that. And then like after a year of that, I was like, I just don't want to do this. Like, but, you know, I love being outside and I love the outdoors and nature, but like I don't see it as like a job. So then I went undecided. And then finally, I was just like, everyone's like, just get a marketing degree because marketing you can just go do anything. So I picked up a marketing degree, and then like right after that, I was just like, man, I don't know what I, like I don't know what I want to do. Like I'm not like really interested in this. And it, was, I remember, it was almost too broad. Yeah, and I remember I had an internship. I had an interview for like an internship, and I actually just ghosted on the <laughs> interview. I just like never showed up, never called. I was just like, I don't want to do this. Um, and then it was at that point. I was kind of thinking about like photography and video because a lot of my friends like either dj they're in a band they're a promoter for a venue or they're a manager for a band so it's kind of like and i was going to a lot of concerts and festivals all the time like spending all my money going to concerts and festivals and i would always watch the recap videos or like the highlight videos even like i would watch a recap video from a small show the previous year and i was just kind of like well. I could just get a camera and then film my friends it's like a full circle thing and then i could go to these events for free like with my camera so that's kind of how it started and then i was like i went to italy um that spring right after i graduated from hawkeye with a marketing degree and i brought a gopro And it was so weird because i brought a gopro and I'd never like that was like my first time using the camera really um 2014 spring of 2014 and at the time you know there was like selfie stick wasn't a thing but like, i kind of knew i didn't understand what like a crane job or crane shot was or like, a jib shot but like i understood like the movement so i just bought a monopod and attached the gopro to it and i'm walking around italy like doing like these maneuvers and moves and stuff and like doing like i'm doing some selfies before like a selfie stick was a thing and i remember people were like taking pictures of me with this thing at the end of my camera the stick and they're like what is that like what is that thing at the end of that stick i was like it's a gopro and they're like what's a go and it was just so weird
0: like they just didn't didn't
1: know but it's funny because i went back to italy the year next to study abroad and literally you can walk a block without people selling you selfie sticks It's a good change started a trend (laughs) yeah maybe (laughs) um so it kind of evolved from there then i went to you and i uh, in the fall of 2014 uh, for digital media and IDS and um, shortly after that I met you. yeah and that's it was kind of funny because like, I remember when like we first talked, you asked me like, what I want to do and I was like, well, I want to travel like as soon as I'm done with CF like I'm out of here and it's probably not the thing a boss wants to hear when he's looking to hire someone <laughs> as he's starting the business. And then you're like, what do you want to, like, what do you want to film? It's like, I want to do concerts, festivals, like recap videos, all this stuff. Like, I had no idea about like, storytelling. Or, like, I remember you, were always, you would always stress like storytelling and be like, it's just a random small business. Like what story is there to tell about some random small business? And then after like, working with you for a while and then being influenced by both you and my brother-in-law, Marcus, who works for EA, um, you know, understood like the storytelling thing, like how you can tell stories and engage with people and like relate to people.
0: I, I think I've seen that a lot in a lot of your most recent work that you've done too, is every video you put out has some sort of story to it. And while it visually looks amazing, it it's not just a montage of clips. Your a lot of your best videos have some sort of dialogue that you've written and recorded yourself, right?
1: Yeah. So I started experimenting with, um, narration and I would just, a lot of times I did it backwards. I'd make the video and then kind of be like, well, there's kind of like this gap here. I kind of need something to connect like a bridge. So then I'd be like, Oh, let me come up with a narration and kind of like help fill that in. So then I kind of started writing scripts for like my videos and narrating them, which felt weird at first, but honestly, like people say like they love it.
0: Yeah. No, I, I always enjoy watching your videos when they have the dialogue with them because it gives me context to what the point of the video was. That it tells me what that story was. Um, so I don't want to go too far down the creative path because I think it's something that you and I could probably talk about forever. Mm-hmm. I do want to focus on the business side of it. Mm-hmm. All of this creativity that you have, how is it, how have you taken a step back and turned it into a business? When did you decide that going freelance and, and starting a business was what you wanted to do
1: i think i've kind of always knew i wanted to do my own thing because like while i loved working with you in Picture labs i always just felt like man i just want to do random things like i want to do like one project that's completely different than the other project and like you know just go back and forth like you know for example this last year i filmed two fly fishing films which i've never fly fished in my life i uh, went to alaska and then like five days of whitewater rafting and then we got into two international film festivals, which, which, which was really cool. But at the same time, I filmed shows at Red Rocks. You know, I filmed now at Miami for the Super Bowl party for EA Sports. Like, there's so many radically different projects. And, like, I think that's what I always made me want to do my own thing because maybe working with a company, you're typically kind of... You have your niche, you know, right? Um, so I think I've always really wanted to do my own thing. Um, and then as far as, like, pursuing like the like, actual business side of thing, not just like creating, is like when I just threw myself out in Denver. I mean, I remember I tried to stay in Iowa for like a summer. I moved to Okaboji because I had lived several summers up there, like bartending, doing like random jobs, just like summer jobs. And I'm like, there's a lot of money up there. Like, there's a ton of money. There's like, no one really doing video production. So I was like, I'm gonna go to Okaboji, make a ton of money and then move out to Colorado. I end up getting one client all year. Um, yeah.
0: <laughs> that's usually how it goes. Like, Yeah. You um, what you think is a sure thing doesn't work out. But then all of a sudden, when it's least expected, that's when you get a bunch of interesting new clients.
1: Yeah. And I, I think, you know, I didn't understand it right away, but I understood that something was, like, going on. And I realized not everyone understands what you can do for them. So you have to learn to pitch yourself. Like I would just be like, "Hey, I make videos. Like you guys need videos. Like why? Yeah, exactly. Right. I didn't have a why.
0: I mean, we're fine. We're we're selling our boats still.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, and and you we, know, we
0: live in Okaboji. Everyone needs their boats.
1: Yeah, and the thing with Okaboji is like this word of mouth because it's a small town area. But, right. um, yeah, I was like, man, like, I, it's to understand. Like obviously, guys, like I can make cool things for you, but I just didn't understand how to pitch myself or for, for explain them, something to them.
0: Cool doesn't translate to money.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Cool is cool, but they need something that's going to create business results. And, right. And that's what they, they weren't able to make that connection to what you were offering.
1: hmm Yeah. So then I ended up having moved back to, with my mom and dad, which is the first time I've lived with them since I was in high school. And I had to get a job at like a warehouse, riding the forklift for like 11 hours a day. Wearing like, a hard hat and safety glasses. It was just, like, not me. And it was, like, I used that money to save up to move to Denver. I um, hated that. It. it was only, like, three months, four months of my life. But it was awful. But I knew I had to do what I had to do to get out to Denver. And then once I got out to Denver, I was, like, okay, game on. Like, you know, I'm not ready for this. But, like, I know I can't wait any longer. You know, you're never going right. to be ready. So I just took the plunge and then – Before I had moved to Denver, I created like an Excel spreadsheet, like ad agencies, social media agencies, marketing agencies, production companies, freelancers, painters, designers, sculpt, like any person like in the creative and business industry, I'd put them in an Excel sheet, who they are, my compatibility with them, a quick breakdown of what they did, where they're located, and basically started reaching out to people. Hey, you know, this is who I am. I'm going to move off to Denver soon. I would love to buy you coffee or come by the studio and just to visit you. Um, you know, if you ever need some behind the scenes or some like just free work, you know, something I could help you with. Because that's like, the thing, like, I I understood even at that point that I, I can't just be asking for things. Like, I have to give value back to other people first. Um, and then, yeah, my first like two weeks of Denver was literally, I had hardly any money, even though I had worked this last job because I just had, like, debt to pay off and then moving expenses and, like, all that stuff. I had, like, hardly any money, but I was, like, spending what little money I had on buying other people coffee, gas, driving around town. I remember my AC went out the first week while living out there. And uh, I never got it fixed until I got a new car, but um, I remember just driving. It was, like, 98, 100 degrees. And I have leather seats, so I had, like, chain i had to bring the extra clothes with me and i had ice in a cup in the front seat that i would like you know kind of like, rub on my wrists and like suck on so like i wouldn't sweat through my shirt and then i would get to like the meeting i get like a block away i get out chain shirts and then like yeah because i was just like sweating through my shirt this whole time oh, and i'm amazing. just like yeah just like that huge struggle of man this is absolute chaos right now but
0: right so do you have an idea of how many people you reached out to before you moved out there? Like the 20, 30 people?
1: I'd say probably around the 20. I probably like before I moved out there, about maybe 20.
0: How Out of all of those, how many people said yes?
1: Um, I remember about I, I got a response from maybe about half of them, which is actually pretty good. And I would say a little less than half were like, yeah, you know, I'm down to meet up.
0: So Mm. in the end, about a fourth of the people that you reach out to.
1: And I always tell people, you know, you'd be surprised if you just ask people and, you know, you just got to deliver it the right way. Like you'd be surprised how many people were willing to help you. And that's the thing. You got to make it easy for them.
0: Right. Exactly. And and the reason I ask that is because so many people ask 10 people and give up
1: Mm -hmm.
0: or they ask 20 people and only one person said yes. And they don't realize that the more people you ask, the more opportunities you have to get yeses and the more yeses that you will get over time. And so for you, you could have emailed those first 10 people and went, no one wants to talk to me
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and then just gave up. Yeah. It was those next 10 people that said yes, that then were able to help you jump your career into Colorado. Mm -hmm. And just making sure that people are not giving up early because right. they're not getting those yeses right away. Yeah.
1: like
0: You didn't do that. Like you, you're like, I'm going to do this one way or another. Yeah. And you've just made it happen.
1: Mm-hmm. And that's the thing is like, I always try to make it as easy as possible for them to respond. Like, Hey, you know, I see you're in like the Rhino art district. How about we meet at this cafe? Cause I look up a cafe, and yep. coffee shops in that area. Something um, close to them. You know, I'm free pretty much whenever it works for you. And like this is who I am, and this is what I'm trying to get out of this conversation. So they know exactly who I am, exactly what I want. Because like, I've had people reach out. Full transparency. Yeah, I've had people reach out to me like, hey, um, I would like to ask you a couple questions sometime if we could sit down and meet at the coffee shop. And I'm kind of like, okay. Then we meet for a coffee shop, and it's like a full blown interview, and it it, it catches me off guard. And it's okay, like. I wasn't expecting to be here for this long. I wasn't expecting for like this, Yeah, you know. Um, well, yeah.
0: I mean, letting them know ahead of time. You don't have to ask the questions, but letting right. them know what the topic is and, exactly. and the scope of what that conversation is, especially with people that you need their time,
1: mm-hmm.
0: being respectful of their time and making sure that they are saying yes to not a definitive time, but like, like you said, not going in an hour and a half, two hours down the road when you were expecting a 45 minute conversation. Yeah,
1: exactly. Um, but yeah, when I got to Denver, so like how because I I knew a lot of people out there. There's, there's a ton of Iowa people out there. So I was like, okay, one of my professors taught me, you know, like one of the best lessons he told me was, um, it was Matthew Wilson was people from Iowa love to help other people from Iowa. <laughs> and that is so true. Um, I got on LinkedIn for the first time and, how many years? And you just search Iowa alumni in Denver and uh, reach out to people like that. And then just like, I just knew other people in Iowa who weren't in the creative entrepreneur business world, but just like people who, they had been out there for years and they know people, right? right. So I be like, hey, you know, I reach out to people that I kind of knew or that I knew, but I haven't talked to in a while. And they were always super helpful. Like, hey, you should check out this place or hey, I know... One of my friends goes to this meetup and it's like all that little information gradually builds up into something. Um, and since I didn't have any work lined up, um, I joined. It's a business marketing group, referral market, referral marketing, and um, what's it called? BNI. It's like business. Not I forget what it stands for, but it's uh, every city has like multiple chapters. Gotcha. Cool. Um, and the idea is like. You join, it's like $900 to join for one year membership. And every single week you have to meet with this group of people. And in this group of people is like, there's only one person per position or job. So there's one, you know, chiropractor, there's one physical trainer, there's one uh, carpenter, one roofer. You get vetted
0: into that. Like, I, I remember, I think they reached out to me about that.
1: Yeah, so they have you have to give referrals, yeah. and then they have to call those referrals to see like if you're sketchy or not. <laughs> <laughs> right, um, and then and it wasn't like the most like sexy thing to do because like it was all older people. It was it's old school marketing, referral marketing. It's not like the you know people are technically really savvy with social media technology these days. Um, so it wasn't like the most exciting thing, but I knew. I just need to be around as many people as possible. Yep. And I joined that group and everyone was like, oh my God, I don't know anything about video production. I started picking up jobs, which, I mean, I hardly charge anything for those jobs. I look back and like, wow, I was like really lowballing myself. But they were also not, once I started raising my prices, they were like, that's really, really expensive. And it's like, no, it's not. Like, it's really not that expensive. So that's kind of like after a year of being in that group, I just kind of quit going
0: do you think though but it
1: was crucial for when i first moved there absolutely right, was absolutely. because maybe they don't need video or maybe they don't understand video but they still know other people right. like i had plenty of people who were like hey i know this guy i'm really good friends with him he photographs like the x games and like all the you know he's worked for red bull like yeti monster energy drinks like all this stuff and like that's you know what else ultimately trying to look for right you know i was trying to do these jobs i didn't really necessarily enjoy to make some money i was also looking to tap into as many people's networks as possible
0: absolutely would no a slight step back to you saying that they they started pushing back on the pricing as you started Mm -hmm. raising it do you think that's because you trained them at a lower price early on
1: no i think it's just because they just don't they're like Wow, a thousand dollars for a video is a lot. But when you, I'm yeah. when I'm doing the pre production, I'm doing the script right. writing, I'm doing right. storyboarding, I'm doing like multiple locations. They won like two videos out of it. Like that's not that much money.
0: Right. So since then though, you you've been able to raise your prices and still stay busy. Yeah. What what's changed in the way that you communicate what you do? to those clients that are now willing to pay that extra money. I know that the client themselves changes and they may understand the value of what you're doing better on their own, mm-hmm. but there's still something that you're doing differently when you're talking to them. Maybe like, is it, you're explaining the process more? Like,
1: I'm, I think, the, I mean, there's multiple things that go into it, but I think the, one big thing that is overlooked is confidence too. Like I'm just like, you sit down and talk to me, and, you know, before I was kind of like, yeah, you know, it's I do this and I can do this. And now it's like, okay, well, this is how this works. And, you know, I have all this equipment that while that equipment doesn't make my videos better, it does make them more professional because I know how to use them. But what really makes the videos better is my experience, my talent into storytelling and understanding brands. Because when I talk with you, you know, I'm going onto your website. I'm asking you questions. I'm going to know who you are. And what your vision and your style is, so that I can reflect that into the videos. You know, before it was just kind of like, yeah, you know, like
0: you kind of him and haw around. Yeah,
1: it was just kind of like you know, like I, you know, I'm good. I'm yeah. good. Yeah, but I now want...
0: you're able to articulate what where that value is coming from. Yeah, that's why they'll pay four thousand dollars instead of a thousand dollars. Yeah, it's because you can you are actually being able to tell them this is what you're paying for. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's that's a super important thing that. Um, Creatives that do want to go into freelance don't think about. Mm -hmm. They think I have a camera. I can create cool videos. People will just buy it. Mm -hmm. But what you've learned over the years is that you need to guide those clients to that price that you want to charge.
1: Yeah. And then, you know, like, when I give out quotes, like there's like an equipment fee on there. You know, that's like for like my higher end camera package. And people are like, well, you know, I had one person like, well, that's like, why do I need to pay for that? It's like, well, first of all, like, this it takes a lot of time and effort to haul this gear around to get it set up. Then, you know, as it gets used parts need to be replaced and stuff like that. And like so, it wears down. But you know, I could take that quote out that part of the quote, and this I could do a super small setup. Yeah. And I'm like, honestly, like, if you know, this is too expensive for you, you can go to someone else. And I can refer you to someone else who has much less gear, and could so shoot, you know, a great yeah. video, but this is If you want me to use this gear, this is what it's going to cost. Yeah, you
0: can go from your FS5 setup to your Sony setup, your...
1: The uh, small mirrorless, yeah. yeah.
0: And you'll be able to set that up in half as much time. Exactly. And that's where they can save money.
1: Yep. Yeah. Then They're
0: they're not going to get the quality, the visual quality out of the camera, though. Yeah. That's the thing. Exactly. But also understanding if your client cares about that or not.
1: And it depends. I mean, there's certain areas where, like, if I'm just doing, like, a quick interview, like... I could shoot that on a small camera or I could shoot right. it on a larger camera. But like if we're doing something outdoors and something more like demanding, like you're gonna want that bigger setup. Right. Um
0: and also doing outdoors, there's more risk to your gear too.
1: Exactly. Yeah, and I do a lot of uh risky things with my gear.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well I mean I mean look at it though. Like I
1: give it beats up. They, it gets they beat won't
0: up. you could hypothetically say, you know what, I won't charge you for the gear, but you have to sign this thing saying here that if anything happens to the gear, you have to cover it. Mm-hmm. They're not going to want to do that either because they yeah. know that the gear that you're bringing to those shoots is far more expensive than they want to pay for. Yeah, and so I think that the idea of charging for the gear is something that's become more and more normal. And I think that clients are starting to understand why that's the case.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, and then one thing I want to go back on too is like when I first moved to Denver, I joined that marketing group. I also joined the co-working space. And someone, I actually talked to someone who was from Iowa, who is actually at the incubator on campus. Okay. Um, Cody. Caraway. Caraway. Yep. Um, I never really knew him. We, we both kind of knew each other because we were in the same building.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but we never actually personally knew each other. So I reached out to him and it was like, hey, let's meet for coffee. Um, this was like when I came to Denver to visit for the first time to see if I wanted to move there. Yeah. And we met up. And I kind of told him what I wanted to do. And he goes, actually, I know someone who knows someone who's starting this co-working space um, for outdoor brands and adventure brands. I was like, perfect. That's like kind of exactly the direction I want to right. go in. So I met up with them and they're like, they were just starting at that point before I moved out there. And then by the time I moved out there, they had just started. So I joined that coworking space right away, but I didn't have money to pay for rent for a desk. So they do like a, a one week free trial. Right. For anyone. Just to see the test of waters, see yep. if you like it. And I did like the first day I brought in my drone, took some drone pictures for them. I actually shot some like a short little video for them and they were like, Oh my god, this is like this is amazing, this is great. They had it on the website within like a few hours. Like <laughs> just they loved it because they were just starting up so they didn't have money for that kind of stuff. Right. And then like, you know, we would love for you to join. And I was like, I don't have money, too. And they're like, well, you know, stay in touch. We'd love to, you know, to have you. I wrote up a proposal saying like, hey, how about I give you X amount of videos and photos in exchange for a membership. And that's how I got in. Yeah. And then I, once again, I was the only person in this coworking space full of outdoor brands and businesses who... Did video production. Yep. It's like I was the guy, even though I didn't have that much experience. People were so kind of like watching me and seeing how I evolved and grew and like and like last year, most of my work came from Wayfinder, that co-working space I was yep. at. Maybe not directly, but from referrals of them referring me to other people, and it was huge for my business. Because so not you only put
0: yourself around people.
1: And place myself strategically that, around people
0: that were in a world that you wanted to be producing content in.
1: Exactly, um, and the only, like it, it didn't only benefit me financially, but these were all businesses who were startups themselves, who I could ask about finances, I could ask about taxes, I could, you know, hey, I'm looking for to shoot for a company. I'm shooting. I'm looking to shoot strictly for this company specifically. Does anyone have a connection with that company? And they'd be like, Yes, we do And then they would like reach out to me. Yeah. Or they would connect us.
0: And that's so usually the hardest part of the process. Yeah. So is was, getting in contact with the right person.
1: Yeah. So it was it's so great for networking because we're all helping each other. And like so there were so many times that people were like, Hey, you know, I have this camera, I kind of don't have money for like to pay you, but like I'm just gonna do it myself. But like, can you help me with like, these settings? And I'm like, Yeah, of course. And it's just like this back and forth of like helping like, helping each other and like you know, they're not only people I worked with, but they're like people I hung out with. And like, you know, even if we didn't hang out, we got along super well. Like, we loved seeing each other in the office. And like, it was just a really great relationships to build with people when you first move out there. Yep. Because um, there's something about surrounding yourself by other people who are passionate about what they're doing, even if they're not doing the same thing. Because it's like they re- you can relate to each other. Right. And yeah. you respect each other. Like... I see what you're doing and understand how hard it is because I'm doing the same thing. So it was, it was great. Wayfinder was ultimately such a big thing for me. Right. Yeah. Like
0: like you said though, like you didn't have all the experience at that time, Mm -hmm. but what they saw was determination. They saw that. And they
1: saw me, they watched me. They knew
0: you weren't going to give up on stuff or just like flake off and bail.
1: Yeah. And you know, I'm like, everyone's like their own worst critic. Right. And, um, you know, I'm like, I'm still so not where I want to be. But like, the amount of people I had come up to me over the last two years that I lived in Denver, who have been like, you have literally just kicked ass. Like, we've never mm-hmm. seen, like, I've had several people who's like, I've never seen anyone move to a city and grow as fast as you have. Right. And I'm, I'm, I'm like, and I'm like, ah, you know, like, I'm still so not where I want to be. And like, this, you know, I'm looking at these other people doing this stuff, and but they're like. But no, like you, like from where you started, like you have done so much, and like you did not want to deny that, deny that. But like after a while, like it's
0: only been a couple years.
1: Yeah, I know. Um, not even. Yeah, <laughs> I know. How long has it been? It was. Uh, it would have been two years exactly when I moved. Okay. Um. But yeah, it was just it was it was really interesting because like so many people would say that it wasn't just like a couple people. Right. But it was like. It wasn't multiple just your mom. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, but it was just like, like you know, someone would come in, like, "Oh, what are you working?" On? I'm like, "Oh, I'm actually just got in an international film festival for this Whitewater rafting trip down this gorge for five days," and they're like, "Are just like shaking their head, like, what?" Like, I remember when you just came in here with just like your little tiny camera, and I was renting lights from, I was buying lights off Amazon, like super cheap lights, do them for a shoot, and then send them back to Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> and like, and he's like, now you're like in an international, f- two international film festivals, and it's just, yeah, it's, it's you're tough scrappy, for someone. You were
0: scrappy in those early, early days, aren't you?
1: So I actually traded, uh, video services for my car too. I did like, four thousand dollars of car services for video services, four thousand dollars. I had so much stuff. Like I had literally my whole entire back end replaced. Um, but the AC never got fixed. I was like, (laughs) this stuff needs to be fixed so it can like actually function. So you can get you around to these games, right? (laughs) But I remember like I was delivering, like I did like random jobs here and there. Not very often, but I remember like there was one time I was delivering food and I was on the other side of Denver and it was raining. It was like, it was like a weird, it was like really cold, almost freezing, but it was raining and my heater went out and my windows started to fog up. And then my windshield wiper fell off
0: <laughs> and it's, it's like everything it's, that it's, could go. Yeah. Around. And it's
1: at night. And I remember like, I was just like, Oh my God, like, how am I going to get home? Like I just sat there in my car for like half an hour, just like, what am I doing with my life? Like what is going on? Like I'm del- freaking delivering food. And I can't even see through my windshield and my windshield wiper fell off.
0: Oh. <laughs> 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 Yeah,
1: I remember uh, there was a couple times, randomly, my heat went out a couple times. And I remember I was like, I'm determined to go on this hike. I want to go on this hike. So I put on a hat, a socking hat and gloves and drove like an hour. And I couldn't make it up this road because it was like just too bumpy and like the shocks were really bad on the car. So I had to hike an extra few miles. Is this with the old white car? The old white car. It had no heat in it. And it was like 10, it was like 15 degrees, but I was like determined. I'm like, I'm not gonna let this car prevent me from going on this hike because I just, I need to like I need relax, hike. <laughs> I need a hike. Um, but yeah, so I was like extremely scrappy. That's and
0: awesome. it's
1: so funny because at the same time, people are like, oh my God, I wish I had your life. It must be so nice. Cause like they're looking at my Instagram and Facebook and I, if you follow me on social media, like I kind of share a lot of my struggles and failures. And that's like one thing people have mm-hmm. always pointed out. Like, I appreciate that you, cause most people would be embarrassed about that. But yeah. me, I'm like, no, I do that because I can show you how much I progressed or how much work I put in, yep. you know, I don't do it for people to feel sorry for me. I just like showing that progress, but it was just so funny because people were like, oh, I must be nice. Like you have such a great life. I wish I could do what you do. And like all like during this time, I'm going through all these struggles, (laughs) and I'm just like, oh yeah, you know. (laughs) Only you knew. (laughs) You want to know how much money I made this year? Because I guarantee you would not.
0: (laughs) You don't want my life. Yeah. Uh, I. I think that that's a good point that you just made, though. Like, what happens on social media isn't exactly what happens in real life, and I think that, like you said, you. You share everything, not Mm -hmm. just the good stuff. Yeah. And I think that creates a better vision for what you, who you are as a person and what you go through to create the content that you want to create. Mm-hmm. How is that? Have you had people, yes, you had the people come and say, I wish I had your life. But have you had the people that have been inspired by that to do something different? Or even has that created more clients, people that will work with you because they've seen it?
1: Uh, I wouldn't say I've gotten clients okay. like from that. but. I definitely have had people who have been like, who are in like the industry of like social media, uh, photography, video, um, who have been like, I really appreciate it. Like I respect mm-hmm. that you do that because that's not something many people see on social media. Right. I've gotten like, that's pretty much like the most responsive feedback I've got from that. That's cool. I mean, maybe, maybe I've got some client work, I just never knew about right. it from that, you, you, know? you never
0: know because a lot of times people don't say why they, unless you ask them, they don't say why. And I usually
1: try to ask, yep. why? Like, how, how do you know me? Or how did you find me?
0: Yep. exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the one, t- <laughs> speaking of how did you find me, the client that uh, was our first out of state client that you and um, Taylor oh, yeah. drove Vegas. to Las Vegas for us, that's, that's how we got that one. Like, yeah. He randomly found us on Google. And I had to sell him something that we didn't actually do at the time. I mm-hmm. mean, we did, but not at the scale that he was expecting.
1: And yeah, it was just, that was so random. It was
0: just one of those things like, yes, we do this. And then he's like, all right, sounds good. You got the job. And then it's like, all right, now we got to figure out how how do we do this? <laughs> <Yeah>. and, <laughs> yep. it, and It worked like we had me, you, Taylor, and Reese at the time was basically our team. Yep. And we're like, all right, timing wise, you two have to drive a car out with all our gear because we have no way to fly this gear out there at this mm-hmm. point. And Reese and I are going to fly out there because of his schedule. And we'll see you out in Vegas. You guys are going to have to leave two days early. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> and, and then you
1: guys were delayed because there's wildfires.
0: Fires in a snowstorm. Yeah. Because there's fires that delayed us. And then we got to Minneapolis and there's a snowstorm.
1: Yeah. And then so we're, I remember we were at Best Buy. We were trying to buy something for the shoot. And... You're like, yeah, so we're not going to be there for the first shoot. So you guys are. And I'm just like, I, I was like, ah, uh, uh, This is
0: way before uh, you developed any sort of skill. Yeah,
1: I was like a complete noob at this point. And I was like, remember, uh... And you're just like, let me talk t- to Taylor. Let me talk to Taylor. And I was like, uh, uh, here we go. I was so nervous. And then Taylor was just like, cool. Uh, I got and then it. the class shows in the control. up in gym
0: shorts and sunglasses. Yeah,
1: Taylor was so. he like, He's going to think we're some Midwest dumb hick slobs <laughs> and gym shorts. <laughs> you know, we need like, Taylor wanted to go put his suit on and, like, uh, get changed and shower. And I was like, we don't have time. And the guy shows up in a T-shirt and, like, Walmart glasses and basketball shorts with so flip-flops. So funny. I was like, Taylor, see this guy. We don't need to we're impress getting- this
0: guy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, All right. The last topic I want to talk about is some of your tourism work that you've done. Because mm-hmm. I see uh, organizations in Denver and Colorado sharing your stuff and sharing the content that you post, mm-hmm. and that's turned into some gigs that you've had with different cities, right?
1: Yeah, so I was like, not technically, I guess technically maybe considered the director of video for Visit Aurora, which is like a suburb of Denver. And it's like their tourism board. Um, And I got that job because someone from Iowa worked on the team and referred me. We did like a discounted rate of like two months of work and see where it goes from there. And then after that, we did like a one year contract um, at this rate and the next year, it literally doubled every time. So I started out two months at like X amount of dollars. And then after two months, it was after three months because we did one extra month. I doubled it. And then after that, we signed a new contract where I more than doubled that last one again. And then I just do a lot of like like the gifts and like hyperlapses and yep. so, like cool things with the drone. Just like really short, bite-sized content that people love. Um, and then using the right hashtags in Denver. Other like tourism accounts in Denver. Like some pretty big ones. Um, some magazines would pick it up and share it to their Instagrams, uh, for like instance, I think it was, I think it was visit Denver, like their official tourism company. Yep. Um, they're like, Hey, we love this little, it was like a drone hyperlapse of, uh, nightlapse of like the city cars going by yep. with the mountains in the background. And then there's a bunch of sound effects of like cars and honking and buses, um, people walking their dogs, and they're like, we absolutely love this. We're gonna, we're about to hit a hundred thousand followers. We would love to share this post once we hit hundred k. Um, and like, I haven't, I feel like I maybe haven't got that much work from that stuff, but I've got my name out there a lot. Like, I, I'm on a named, first name basis with the director of social media for Visit Denver. Um, and I, actually, we she was trying to help me out with some work, but do like the way that they're set up. They can't really do contracts unless I pay for like a membership to be under one of their, Okay. you know what I mean? So I have, I would have to pay them to be put on the list of people that they would work with. Interesting. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, I was like, Hey, I would like to, if you could give me a referral that I could put on my website. She goes, well, I, I technically really can't, but like, you know, I really enjoyed everything you've done for us, and like the content you've posted, have always has always been really well received on our social media. Um, let me see if I can just ask um, my boss if I can. Yeah. Yeah. And then it was actually interesting. I shared that Mad World video with her too, and she was like, "Oh my God, this is amazing." Um, but I just don't think it's us. It's a little too. Um, she didn't say dark, but like...
0: Almost a little too artistic.
1: A little too artistic and just moody mm-hmm. for like what we do. But let me just share it like internally with our team and our boss and stuff. And she emailed me back and she goes, Actually, I shared it with the CEO and president. And they had already seen it because they had known someone who had knew someone who was dancing in the film. And they all loved it. Like, you know, it's not something we're going to post, but like I just want you to let you know that like it was very well received from everyone here at visit denver that's awesome yeah
0: yeah you it's just been a lot of fun to see how you make connections how you've grown as a creator and how you've kind of transformed not into just a creator but also a business person mm-hmm. um and the skills that you've developed over the time over the years that i've known you which mm-hmm. is now what almost six years at this point yeah it's getting there um You've just grown into an incredible creator and business person, and I've seen so much growth in you as a person, and all I've kind of known a little bit about some of these other struggles that you've had to get to that point, mm-hmm. just because we've communicated enough over the years since you've moved Okoboji and gone through your processes. We've talked enough. Right. There's some of the stories I didn't hear about that were fun to hear about today, but um, I just want to thank you for taking the time to talk Definitely, with us today. Definitely, Uh, If you could leave one piece of advice to a creator that is wanting to be a freelancer, what would it be?
1: One piece. One piece. I got like 10. (laughs) Um, All right, you can give me two. I was going to say two. (laughs) Don't be afraid to ask for help because you you won't believe how many people are willing to help you as long as you make it easy for them. That's really, I mean, the amount of people... Who have helped? Like, I have strangers who, like, I don't even know, but they follow me. Like, hey, you should talk to so-and-so. Or, hey, I passed your Instagram account to so-and-so. Like, it's it's crazy. Or, like, people, like, maybe I've partied with a few times in college, like, 10 years ago, will hit me up and be like, hey, I see you're living in Denver. You should meet up with this person. So don't be afraid to ask for help, um, even if you haven't talked to a person in a while, because you know, if you showcase your passion and your heart, like you work hard, other people are willing, like people will see that are willing to help you. Um, The other piece of advice is, if you want to freelance, you just have to be willing to grind and work as hard as you can. And sure, it may not look like it's paying off. But in the long run, it really does. And I always say passion, persistence and patience.
0: And in the end, you get to do what you love.
1: Yep, yep. Cool.
0: Uh, thank you so much for taking the time today. I've really enjoyed. We don't get and eat lots
1: up. of ramen noodles. Lots of ramen noodles. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we don't get to catch up like this enough. We need to do it more often. Um, I'm glad that timing wise it worked out. We were able to squeeze this in between your shoots that you have while you're back home. Um, but I'm sure there's going to be more topics that we can talk about and we'll probably have you on the podcast again. Definitely, man. So thank you very much. And, uh, that's it for this episode of the Raisin Brand. Uh, you can catch these every Tuesday morning on just about every platform. If you aren't following yet, you should definitely do that and get notified.